Hello, my fans, friends. Welcome to the Rich Terring podcast feed, powered by ACAS Plus. Thanks to everyone who's come to see the Can I Have My Ball Back tour so far. It's been going really well. I've got a four-star review in The Standard, four-star review in The Telegraph, who once called me the worst comedy experience of the year, so that's a turnaround. Uh, people have been coming, people have really been enjoying it, and it's getting better and better. The only gigs this week are both in Pocklington, the town I was born in, near York. Uh, there's a couple of tickets left for the evening show and a few more tickets left for the matinee, I think about 4.30. But love to see you there, Yorkshire. Pop along, check richardherring.com slash ballback slash tour or richardherring.com slash gigs to see if I'm coming near to you. There are tickets left for nearly every show in the tour. I think Norwich has sold out. Uh, and a couple of gigs in London could do with your support as well. Anyway, please listen to the podcast. Do spread the news about the podcast to your friends. Listen as much as you can. Numbers are slightly down, which may affect the future of this podcast. So just leave it playing, even if you're not in the room. Love you. <laughs> now sit back, relax, and enjoy whatever it is you're going to listen to. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the ballroom at the Assembly Rooms. Please welcome a man who has done this far too many times. It's Richard Herring. Hello, my finest friends. Hello, welcome. Welcome to the show. Welcome to episode 400 of uh, this podcast. It's, if you include the Edinburgh ones, it's episode 500. So that's even better, isn't it? And if you include all the ones that we just didn't give numbers to, it's about 526. Numbers are meaningless. It's too many. It's too many. Welcome to Richard Herring's Liz Sodding Trust podcast. Um, it's all dedicated to our next prime minister. I'm just saying. She's great and she's going she's to be a great, great prime minister. She, she cl- who claimed today that the sun is, is part of the left-wing media to blame. <laughs> I mean, probably to her, I mean, probably to her it is. Left-wing media to blame for Boris Johnson being sacked. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Uh, And uh, anyway, but uh, I was talking uh, to uh, the people who used to come here when it was Rich Chang's Edinburgh Fringe podcast, and they still call it Ref. So there we go, it's going to be... There we go, I told you. There are other people call it Rehalastapa. There we go, we're off. Um, uh, Slightly worried about the uh, beautiful sunshine outside. It's a bit, a bit. It's gone on for a very long time. If there are any climate change deniers out there, just come to Edinburgh for the last thirty-five years and then see what you think of this year's. I've never experienced anything like this in Edinburgh, and I'm absolutely terrified. Um, uh, the uh, the alternate to our prime minister, who won't be prime minister, uh, 
Richie Sunak, I like to call him. Uh, he, uh, he's come out against drugs. He says he's never tried drugs, but drugs are horrific. And he'll be incredibly tough on anyone who does drugs. Well, that includes the people he's friends with. Will that, will that include his friends? I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, absolutely. And, and, you know, it's, the, the problem with the, these politicians is it's just... They're unsatirizable now, but also just it's... It's gone so far. It's just this Trumpian bullshit that they're just... It's, uh, ab- you can just state the obvious. It doesn't matter. Nothing's going to change. But luckily, the world will be destroyed by climate change. <laughs> so we should be fine. Anyway, look, thanks for coming. I don't want to make faff around too long because I'm absolutely so excited about today's guest. I mean, tomorrow we've got Ed Gamble. There's got to be downs as well as ups. <laughs> you can't, they can't all be golden, so you've chosen the right day to come. <laughs> Bad luck to anyone who bought a ticket for tomorrow. My guest today is probably best known for her appearance as gallery owner on we- in Werewolf Bitches from Outer Space. That's why we're all here. Will you please welcome Janine Garofalo, ladies and gentlemen. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Come, in, come on in. Thank you. Sit, sit down and pick up a microphone. And it's Janine Garofalo. It's Janine Garofalo. I'm absolutely unbelievable. Hello. Hello. I forgot about where. Did you? That's real. That's a, a, a film by a woman named Reverend Jen. Okay. Who is a, 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 a wears elf ears in life all the time. That's okay. what she's best known for. <laughs> Was it any good? I have no idea. I, 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 it, might, it might be. I just I have no wish to see myself uh, in anything. But okay. I, I, you know what? She's great. So. Perhaps Good. it is, I don't know. All right, terrific. Well, we'll move on to other topics. I saw you, you're up in Edinburgh. Absolutely fantastic to see you. I'm a, I'm a massive fan. And uh, we came, my wife and uh, our friends came to see you, I think on maybe day two of The Fringe, uh-huh. uh, to your show, uh, Pardon My Tangent. Yeah. Are you, in, are you, in, are you, in, it was very hot in there. Is what, is what I remember uh, you saying. Yeah, there is an air conditioner now, although oh, uh, it's theoretically there. <laughs> it's uh, very, very hot in the room. And I, I uh, always say to, to the audience, I've been saying it so far, I understand how difficult this is. It's very hot. It's hard as an audience to sit in the heat and, and listen to someone who uh, is incapable of getting to a point succinctly and with clarity, <laughs> which is me, would be me. And uh, I feel like I, it needs to be addressed because it's, it's yeah. very, very warm in there. Yeah, I mean, it is in a lot of that. I, I did a venue one year where I was, it was so hot, the sweat was coming over my eyebrows into my eyes. Which yes, was, I, do, I do sweat a great deal yeah. on stage, which is uh, it's supposed to be good for your skin, so that's the <laughs> it's a It's a terrific, terrific show. I really enjoyed it. It feels like it's going to be different every time one goes to see it. It's, it doesn't it's how true that slightly is. different, and, and that's not like, aren't I cool? It's... A, it's a, <laughs> I, I I like to let it breathe. There is supposed to be much more structure than there is, but as I already told you, and I will show them, this has changed everything. Look at this unsolicited dreadlock. Look at look at that flap of knot that that has it consumes me, and I can't stop talking about it. So that is where the show, unfortunately, usually starts by addressing the elephant in my hair, and and then it, it goes. From there, and I always have notes that I bring in, but different things happen daily yeah. that maybe I would like to discuss, and I would like to put that in. Um, as as it's 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 not invalid to have a very rehearsed show. I'm not I'm not criticizing that. It's just unfortunately 
not been my strong suit. Uh, <laughs> I started doing stand-up in 1985. It's, it's, I will figure it out. I'll crack the code. I'll figure it out. <laughs> I just need more time. I just, uh, I, I'm not, as you can see now, I'm, I'm answering your question far too long. It's good. No, you take as much time as you want. That's okay. Uh, no, don't say that. <laughs> I'm actually going to stop talking now. But it's a, I just wanted it to not, it's not supposed to be so different every night. But I do like the fact that each show is different from... Yes. Well, I think that's what's great. Show. You know, in our one, you sort of got to a story and then realised the time was up and we got half a story. And then, that's yeah. where I'm supposed to be starting. That yeah. happened every night. <laughs> like the, 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 the kickoff thing that I said was hopefully going to start with, always I remember it, like I check my watch and I'm like, oh, no. And then I'll start with this thing that would have taken much longer to say, and then I'm like, uh, I have to... And it's such a very unsatisfying end. So if anyone goes, <laughs> uh, I warn you in advance, it may be unsatisfying to you that I do not <laughs> ever probably finish anything I start saying. No, I, don't, I like it. I, I, feel, it feel, I was saying to you backstage, but it feels like you're sort of on a high wire and you're jumping in the air and we're seeing what's going to happen. But you give me far too much credit. I said that to you backstage <laughs> too. Uh, I, I in no way... And, and that has happened... This is probably my fourth or fifth Edinburgh... And I have somehow benefited uh, unintentionally by that very thing. People are like, that's so interesting the way you do that. I want you to know. <laughs> uh, it, 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 it is not like, oh, wow, I'm just spitballing free for It's not that. It's, it's that I can't frequently remember what I meant to start telling you. <laughs> and it is oddly, for the most part, I'm sure there's plenty of people who can't stand it. Uh, but those that have said nice things have said, like, that's so interesting the way you do that. And I, and I try and tell them that, that <laughs> please don't, I can't take a compliment I don't deserve. I, it's not that. <laughs> it, does, it doesn't matter if you've been to do it. It doesn't matter. If it's, it, it is absolutely fascinating. It's sort of chaotic, but there is a, mm-hmm. there is a form to it. And it's, Ho- hopefully, yeah. hopefully. And there is things that I, I know I want to say, and yeah. luckily some of them come up. And there is... <laughs> Two stools with notes all over. I have a bag, a tote bag full of notes that I have brought from JFK, from New York, for some reason. Never looked at it yet. Never even opened the bag. (laughs) And then there's one Ziploc bag that I take out. Yes. And it's in Ziploc bags for in case it rains. And that I can see more readily. So usually there's stuff like, oh, that, that. Yeah. Well, there's, there's plenty of content. Uh, I love the story about you. That's being... a good title. <laughs> plenty, plenty of content. content. Oh, <laughs> you can have it. Thank you. You can have it. Um, I love the story about you being mistaken for a homeless person. That's, that is true, and that's not a criticism of the homeless. No. Uh, <laughs> the, and, and I'm not doing bits for you. He brought it up organically. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm the, Three times... Over the last eight or so years, I've been mistaken for someone who is, shall we say, between jobs and between homes. <laughs> and, oh, there you are. I know you. Um, <laughs> and there's uh, reasons for it. And now my physical appearance is not quite up to snuff. And uh, sometimes my hair is gray to here. And sometimes there's more unsolicited dreadlocks. And my clothes are very wrinkly all the time, and I sweat a great deal. And sometimes when I'm by garbage, and I've also picked up other litter that those that are ill-mannered and not putting in. So I'm picking up garbage and also trying to throw, a, throw my garbage away. And it has 
uh, very nice, well-meaning people have asked if I need help or I'm okay, stuff like that. <laughs> and I understand why they're doing it, but it's a... It, it is, it, it's three times, Baltimore, Seattle, and Portland. Right. It's happened. Well, it spoke to me because I've been, I've been mistaken for a homeless person by a homeless With person, like which I think, I think what? is... Well, look, in Baltimore, that's... Uh, was it, that, yeah. Because it's different context. In Baltimore, it was a fellow homeless yeah. person who thought I was uh, in their coven, in yeah. their group, uh, and said, that bicycle you were asking about, I found it. <laughs> that happened in Baltimore. Yeah. But I can't believe anyone, not well, with I hair think, like that. Look I, at the I used shine. to have a maybe Look slightly more... Look at the more, thickness of his hair. I Look at the to, perfect shade of grey. I think it was, uh, I think it was slightly more straggly. And, I'm, and I was wearing, I used to wear jeans that I'd sort of just stamped the ends on and it was, they would, would trail on the floor. And also I cut my pants because I'm yeah. five foot one. So my pants are cut and there's frequently just strings hanging. Yeah. So that might add to that. But I think there's, I think there's some, maybe there's some brotherhood or camaraderie between... That sort of stuff. I'm always, I'm always slightly fascinated by the way that stand-up comedy and mental illness often go hand in hand because they, often there's some mental illness in the person doing the stand-up comedy. But it's sort of about, you know, playing around with the rules of society and stepping out of society. So maybe I there's... never, I never thought of it that way. Yeah. That's not how it's seen. That that that's. I don't think what's happened. No. <laughs> I, I, I think it is a visual. Yeah. It's visual, and I fully understand why they think yeah. that. And, you know, I found this is it, one I of my nicer outfits. This is, I'm sorry to tell you that, but this is kind of one of my nicer outfits. I've got technical, <laughs> technical pants. They've been fabriced. <laughs> Look, um, let's, let's talk a bit about... Uh, actually, I, I loved you calling your, uh, your show uh, sort of freelance filibustering. I think that is... Oh, that no, is. it's not that. That's what I'm saying, what my calling is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which I discovered a couple of years ago that... that do you have filibusters here in your political we know system? What, we know what it is. It's not quite as uh, It's when big a somebody deal, but... on the floor of the Senate or whatever tries to stop a bill from passing by just talking and running out the clock. And it's a filibuster. Yeah. That's what I think I'd be great at. Yeah. I really do feel that's my forte. Because stand-up comedy really isn't. <laughs> and uh, I'm glad people like it when they like it. But I really think that if, the, if there was a need for freelance... Well, is filibustering? I'd be great. In a way, it. there is, and you don't have one. Is uh, doing a podcast is is just freelance. Yeah, I don't have a. I don't have a. <laughs> you don't have a podcast, right? Uh, uh, as and I always say that it's not a civic obligation. Every, everyone <laughs> has a podcast. I feel there's enough. There's enough, and you get to be a guest on podcasts so much. Yeah. Uh, now, if I had something to, that I felt to bring to the table, like you know what, this needs to be heard. This podcast needs to happen. <laughs> I would do it, but failing that. Uh, I don't feel comfortable doing a podcast because I don't feel I have anything to, to add to the the, for, the form. Don't, don't let that worry you. Don't, 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 I, don't, don't. I hasn't stopped a lot of other people, but the, th the thing is, is I think people feel the need to have it, yeah. to have one. And some are very wonderful and quite, uh, rel you know, very interesting. And uh, that that's fine, uh, but I, I don't... It's like with all the social media and stuff, and I know it's generational a bit. I'm not comfortable with... I yeah. don't have social media platforms or anything like that. But younger people couldn't possibly imagine a world where they didn't. And also, it's like a full-time job a lot for a lot of businesses, including stand-up comedy. It, it is a necessity yeah. to do it, but I'm not comfortable with it. You will lose audience members if you don't do it. But I, I, I don't like it. No. I don't want to do it. 
No, it's interesting. I mean, I think you would, you would be amazing at it, and I under, I, can, I completely under, and you do talk about this in the show as well. But I understand your your reasons for not doing it. Although you did like a, you you were part of a radio. I worked at Air couple, America yeah. Radio uh, in, in the Bush era. Rachel Maddow worked there. Al Franken, Mark Maron, yeah. um, Chuck D from Public Enemy, and it was a way to bring uncensored news out yeah. at a very ridiculous. I mean, there's lots of ridiculous times in American history. But a really post-9-11 George W. Bush. Uh, <laughs> painful, painful. Yeah. And so uh, a, a group of people got together to start the, this radio station. I didn't start it, but I asked to be part of it because okay. I was like, I very much. I feel like that's one of the only interesting things I've ever done. Like that, that, that is, I don't have a lot to recommend me. But I feel like that that one era when I was doing that, I, I feel like that this is this feels like it is at least contributing something in some way or trying to. And then, the, of course, it went out of business. <laughs> the, the fundraisers, the first fundraisers absconded with the money. Really? And then secretly some of the people that worked there put money in. And then another group of us didn't take salaries. And even with that, I, I believe it was destroyed from the inside. I feel like the, the worst possible people to, to take control of it. I think they were secretly Republican or something. And that's not like tinfoil hat stuff. That's, I feel like because it's a blood sport for them. Yeah. And they get great joy from being contemptuous and destroying things. Yeah. And uh, I feel like the, something weird. And then the building exploded. That's okay. true. The <laughs> boiler in the basement exploded. Coinka dude? I don't think so. <laughs> um, might have been a coincidence. But, but that could that that's a, that was sort of podcast before podcasting possibly. And with, and well, Mark Maron started with Sam Cedar. Yeah. Sam Cedar, uh, Sam Cedar, who still has a podcast called The Majority Report. That was, a, but Mark Maron and Sam Cedar came, started the 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 uh, foundations of WTF, and yeah. Mark Maron went on to do that. And he was like right place, zeitgeisty. <laughs> Zeitgeisty, if that's right. He was in the. He's one of the like the forerunners of of people. It just took off. It yeah. just touched a chord culturally. Yeah. Um. I don't know if it resonated as much here. I'm not sure. Um, no, I mean, you know, I, this is look at look how many people are here. Uh, is I'm, I'm one of them. I'm one of the successful ones here, and this is this is as good as it gets. <laughs> this is a lot of people uh, for it, one o'clock. It's not too bad. It's, it's early. Uh, like I feel, because yeah, when I have to get up to be somewhere, like, I don't know what I do. But it, when people are like, you want to meet for lunch? Yeah, give me five and a half hours. I don't know what it is <laughs> that I'm doing, and to look like this, you know, what I mean, like I don't know what I'm doing. Like, oh, I got to read that. I think I, I don't know what I'm doing. But I had to get up at eight o'clock. That's true. The eight a.m. this morning with a wake up call, because I, I can't be late. Uh, and then as it happened, I did have some time to kill, so I went to Fat Face. Oh, yes. Across the street. I feel you should say it like that, that clothing store. <laughs> Fat face. <laughs> Sounds like you're being insulted when you w walk in, but um, I was actually early. Yeah, well, that's good. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're here. Do you see why I can't have a podcast? No, it, it, it's horrible. Horrible listening hasn't, to me. It hasn't stopped me. It hasn't stopped me podcasting. Um, look, I, do you, I don't think you get the, the... I mean, I think you get a lot of credit. I don't think you get the credit you deserve. I think you... having. Read up on your uh, your early stand up, and the thing I became aware of you from my from my own pers personal point of view was uh, the Larry Sanders show, which mm -hmm. I still consider to be the greatest. That was a, that was my first acting job. I yeah. came late to acting. I started stand up at nineteen, but I didn't start acting until I was twenty seven, yeah. which I think is considered late. 
Um, and it was because of Gary Shandling, yeah. like Gary Shandling, who I knew from stand-up. And the other job I had that same year was the Ben Stiller show. And Ben I met from stand-up. It was just this fortuitous, um, unbelievably lucky that the, those two had, had some faith in me and cast me in their shows. But the Gary Shandling show is one of the best jobs I ever had. I didn't understand it's not like that. <laughs> in other acting things where somebody allows you to like, try this or try that. It, it was so enjoyable. Yeah. I mean, he, he obviously, I mean, he did several fantastic shows, was a fantastic stand-up, mm-hmm. and we lost him much too early yeah. as well. But he was, he was, there was obviously something special about that. That show just was sort of right. mind-blowing. It was very groundbreaking. Yeah. Now, if, if you come to it now, it'll look quite dated, or it'll seem like, well, what's so groundbreaking about that? But it, many other shows have, have utilized some yeah. of the techniques and the camera person, Peter Smokler, was on rollerblades and pulled through the sets. There was a standing set, and it was, you didn't have to wait for lighting. It was, and either you were in frame or out of frame, you know, that kind of thing. There was a lot of freedom, and he was being pulled around, uh, similar to a handheld. But also it just had a look of, like, uh, I guess the way the office looks, things like that. Yeah. Um, there's a, there's a, a visual look to it. But there's some younger people that just will discover it now and think it's it, it doesn't have the same effect on them. Sure, well, that's not a criticism of the young <laughs> at all. I, I watched it. We we bought the box set of, or maybe four or five years ago and watched the whole thing again because I don't think I'd ever seen it in order. In order, the, the BBC mm. treated it very shortly and Seinfeld as well, which you we were also in. Uh, that they put those shows out at eleven o'clock at night, and mm. they, some weeks they wouldn't bother putting them out. So you, you so I, I wanted to watch the whole thing from start to finish, which we did very very quickly, mm-hmm. uh, and it's. I mean, all the characters, are, there's, there's, in that show, there are, you know, ca- characters that could all have their own sitcom. Paula, that you played, was a fantastic Well, it's character. also based on a real person, yeah. the character that I played. Uh, a lot of it is based on behind the scenes at the Letterman show. Right. Um, there was the two head, two of the head writers had worked at Late Night with David Letterman. Yeah. And so some of the things that would happen backstage and things like that. So my character was based on a real person. Unfortunately, I didn't understand about typecasting. I was try- quite <laughs> ignorant. And I was got asked to play a similar type of character all the time. And I was just like, this is so great. People want to hire me. And then on cut to 10 years later, it's like, no, uh, we've seen it. One trick pony. It's, it's so painful because I'm not like, I'm not like, no. I'm not like Heather Mooney and Romeo and Michelle or any of those things. I'm not mean. And yet I always get asked to play very mean <laughs> People and and it really limits you. Um, and then when you do things that are more versatile, it tends to be low budget stuff that no one ever sees. Things of that nature. But it, it's it's a, very difficult when you do get typecast. I'm not saying anybody owes me anything, but sometimes it even bars you from uh, the opportunity to to try yeah. to to audition. For stuff like that. I mean, but it's the problem if you're first, I mean, it's one of your first major roles, but, but obviously, like, straight out there, bang into this award winning show. was the first, like, and, yeah. no, and no, like, and known. So, so, you know, but it was, su- it was such a great character. And, and, I, and, and as much as I liked uh, Mary Lynn, who took over, it was, it was. Marilyn Ricecup, yeah. yes. Um, it, it, was, it was a shame that you weren't there when you were in your life. Yeah, left. I made a big mistake. I went to yeah. Sunday Night Live. Boo! Yeah. <laughs> I should have never... I mean, that, it's not like that. I mean, it has its ups and downs. It can be great, and it can have dips. I happened to be there at a, at a, at a, at a time when uh, it was not... Uh, the comedy was not to my taste. No. And I was unable to bring anything to the table. I just failed miserably there. And I had been warned by Bob Odenkirk, who was also on Larry Sanders' show at the time, and 
He had said, don't go. You're not going to like it. You're not going to like <laughs> SNL, but you have to. It's like, it's just one of those things in the States. It, it seems like if you, you have to do it. Yeah. And, and I just failed, failed. Now, luckily, so few people would even know I was on it. I was there for about, it's like my parking meter ran out and I was gone. <laughs> and uh, I just a real miserable failure on my part. Plus, I had a, a drink. We were talking about that backstage. Uh, <laughs> I, I am the first to say uncle. I'm, I'm not a real fighter when it comes if if it seems like people are not pleased with me i'm like okay I'm, i'll go i just i'll just go and i re, i regret that and and i just was drunk 90% of the time right which i'm not proud of at all it seems you you're very unlucky there's an amazing i think it's in the new yorker there's an amazing article uh, from the time about Saturday Night Live, being in the doldrums, and someone comes and there's a very long article. That was article. one of the things that was not helpful at all. Right. Uh, <laughs> now, I in no way saw myself and, and, and some of the others that were hired that year, none of us saw ourselves as saviors in any way. Unfortunately, no. journalists are not your friend, frequently, <laughs> and they made it seem like we were saying, we're coming here to save this. Oh, boy, that doesn't endear you to your coworkers. And uh, also, there at the time, there was some people who work there that love to foment discord, so they put copies of that article on the writer's room table yeah. for all to see with highlighter, highlighter <laughs> over lines that implied that we felt we were going to come save. So right from the start, it was like uh, Yeah, but it also, terrible. it does feel like you were in the right... I mean, the thing that... Re- I, we watch Saturday Night Live all the time, which isn't something that many people in the UK do, so the last few series we've, we've watched... And the thing that massively annoys me about it is that they never learn their lines. And you, you try to learn your lines. It's a strange thing. Uh, some, some do. Some yeah. do know their lines. You are encouraged to read the cue cards. I don't know why. Now, there is times where they change it, and you don't even know, and it's right. at the last minute. That really wasn't the case when I was there. Now, right. Like I said, it's different all the time. And sometimes the show is very, very good, and sometimes less so. And that's the nature of a show that's been on for 45 sure. years, right? At that particular time, you would actually get in trouble if you didn't look at the cue <laughs> cards. It was the strangest thing, and I would try and because even drunk, I, I can learn. I knew my lines, and uh, and I uh, always felt like it's better to be staring at the person you're speaking to. Yeah. But the camera cameras are locked in a certain way that you see people looking not at each other. Now I do it's understand when some people have so much to do. Yeah. There's some people and they and the lines are changed. But like I said that wasn't the case for me and it really uh, also made me feel like this isn't right for me. I I don't feel no. this is a good fit. You you know I just think you're a very you're a difficult person to bottle I think, right? And and I think you were cool and you are cool but you're you from those shows and from your stand up they wanted to bottle you and put you into certain things and, and use what was fantastic about you. And I think it was some of those more mainstream things and it was, it was hard for you to... Because that's not how you operate, it, It's right? hard for everybody on the show. They also have too many cast members. That's a problem they've yeah. had for many years, in my opinion. They, they started off originally in 75 with eight cast members who also wrote. That's really what it should be, 10 max. Yeah. And, they, and as you know, if you watch the opening credits... It goes on and on and on and on. Or like an episode of Rick and, Mor- Rick and Morty, if you watch that, they're like, a piece of toast, <laughs> a cup. Like, it just goes on and on. Yeah. But, and it, when you have so many people, and you have uh, some people that still like to divide, to conquer, it, it can be quite painful. Uh, and so many people just sit on the bench all the time, even though they're yeah. very, very good. Because how can you service 17, 18 
Yeah. It, it just makes no sense to, to hire that way. I think it's a, a bad business model. I think anyone who's worked there would agree with that. Yeah. But I, I'm not quite sure why they do that because keeping things lean is, is, a, is a, 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 everybody has much more investment. They get much more time to, sh- to show what they can do. Yeah. But I don't think that's ever going to change now that that new paradigm has been established sort of in the, in the late 80s, early 90s where there's endless cast members and then you don't see them. And then sometimes then they're not there anymore (laughs) and they go on to do great. You can see like, boy, that person was so talented. How did they not thrive? But you have to have the combination of, of, of work ethic, luck, uh, Lauren likes you and you are a person that, that, like I said, like with Molly and with Amy as just some examples, they just make it work and they yeah. can get they don't get bogged down in personal rivalries they don't gossip they don't get drunk uh, you know they just <laughs> yeah. and they thrive sure sure well uh, let, let's move on from satellite life but because uh, you know it, I, I just think i think there's well, the, the, well in this the uh, there's an article more recently uh, which uh, revealed that uh, Something oh, I didn't know. Something got to hurt my feelings. Don't tell. No, no, it's not. It's good. I mean, it's that you you introduced. Did you introduce David Cross to Bob Odenkirk? I did introduce. Yeah. It. Uh, I mean, that's I, a pretty amazing. I knew thing. Uh, David Cross. I met David Cross when I was in college. He was at Emerson College, and I was at Providence College, and mm-hmm. we were both doing open mics in Boston. And then I had moved to Los Angeles. I had met Bob Odenkirk prior to moving to Los Angeles, but uh, David then came out to Los Angeles to start writing for the Ben Stiller Show and. Bob Odenkirk used to play basketball on Sundays, and I lived right near him. I walked David over, who wanted to play basketball. Bob didn't even get up from the couch. He looked through the screen door, screen door and I said, Bob, this is my friend David. He wants to play basketball. And Bob's eating a sandwich. He goes, no, thanks. And he just goes back to watch. That's a famous, that's true. Yeah. And uh, Bob used to be, like, raised by wolves. I don't know why. He didn't mean to, but it was, and now he's so, he's so nice. He, you yeah. know, he's got children, all that kind of stuff. He's just the best. But... It took till the Montreal Comedy Festival where they were forced to sleep in the same room <laughs> because uh, I was sharing a room, I think, with either Bob or David, but these two young girls had hitchhiked to come see my show, and they were going to hitchhike back home. And I, I was like, no, you're not. They were 16. It's like, you're going to sleep on my floor. I'm not allowing Genevieve, I remember, was one of them. This is in, like, 1993. <laughs> and I was like, I cannot allow teenage girls to go hitchhiking home. So they slept on my floor, so... It was either Bob or David had to go. And, they, and Bob and David slept in the same room and stayed up all night giggling like schoolgirls and, and were best friends from then on. Wow. So it took a little bit of time for Bob to see <laughs> the wonder of Dave Cross. And then they went on to do Mr. Show, yeah. among other things. I mean, really, really seminal uh, comedy series. Um, Bob said of you that um, uh, if you... Uh, well, he said something very nice about you. I wrote it down, I thought, but I don't know if I... I don't know. Uh, that, that you, you basically were the spark that sort of set. Uh, yeah, J- Janine was the spark of the Big Bang for that whole. Uh... That's not true. He's being too kind. <laughs> he, what he's talking about is like the spark of. I have been miscredited in some places of like starting alternative, which I think means something slightly different than here. Sure. And I think you had what was called alternative comedy earlier mm-hmm. than we did. Now, alternative comedy, I take to mean at least in, in the 80s and 90s when it was happening, a place, you're doing stand-up in an alternative to a comedy club proper. You're doing it in a space that isn't a comedy club, like a chain comedy club or something. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I've been miscredited with, like, start, I didn't 
It had been going on. Uh, <laughs> re- and also people misunderstanding my style of stand-up. It's not deliberately obtuse. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> alternative. It, it was that I've never been a strong joke writer. I'm just not. And uh, so I wind up rambling, much like now. <laughs> and, and so it's nice that he says that. It's just not true. But it's, I mean, you, you allude to this in your, in your show, though, as well. It's interesting that all the guys from that time and all the people you've mentioned pretty much bob and david and uh whatever adam sandler and uh, and all the snl guys are all still kind of hollywood figures oh my god yeah and uh uh, bob just got a a star on the hollywood walk of fame bob uncook is like in the stratosphere famous as is adam and david's done very very well um there's plenty of women too it's just we haven't touched upon there's plenty of uh fantastic uh, if you were about to say there wasn't diversity, well, I'm, was I'm not of... saying there's not diversity. I'm just saying that you know you were talking in the show about Top Gun, Maverick, and and how that it's all the men from the f- original film, none of the women. Oh, oh, it's just one thing. It has to do <laughs> with a text about Top Gun, Maverick, <laughs> uh, I, and and Pet Kelly McGillis not being allowed to be in it because yeah. she's so old. But because uh, every you know Tom Cruise is it, it, it's a. Uh, it, that wasn't a statement on gender or anything. Okay. It was just a... I didn't even see Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> I, I just know that she's not in it. Okay. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. But it feels, you know, it sort of feels to me you were such a big part of that. And, then, you know, and I know, you, you, I mean, there's endless stuff we can go through. And you've been in, you know, you've been in so many. Even I'd forgotten you were in The Sopranos and someone t- put just, me... Just a couple episodes. Yeah, but it was a... <laughs> it's great. It was a thrill. Great. It was it's a thrill to, to, be, to be part of that. And you're obviously sure. in West Wing. I think you're in Larry Sanders, which is the greatest TV show of all time. You're in BoJack Horseman. So you're still getting... Me and still, everybody else. Like, the list of people who've yeah. been a voice on... But also with Mary Lynn, I got to be on 24 with her. Yeah. She was, and I've known her for years as a stand-up. She's a great stand-up. But uh, it, it was on uh, 24, the year that I was on, there was a writer's strike for months and months. And Mary Lynn, unbeknownst to her, got pregnant. Uh, the, 
And then by the time we came back from the writer's strike, she was fully pregnant, but it's supposed to be one day, 24 hours on the show, 24. So if you ever have seen that season, she's behind a box, all of a sudden behind a box. And she luckily is one of those people that gets pregnant and it's just like a basketball, like you can't really tell. And in fact, we were doing stand-up on tour almost until her ninth month. Uh, the, she didn't even know she was pregnant until like month five. That's the way to do it if you're going to do it. Don't even know. Uh, not that I've ever been pregnant, but I presume it's unpleasant. And uh, so she only had like four months. She had no like problems with it, and 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 she didn't gain any weight except for right here. But she was clearly not looking the same as the second before the writers' strike, and then they pick up the show, writers, and she's pregnant. So then they had my character throw her in jail for some like a, my character Janice Gold did. Uh, fabricated some evidence against Chloe of being a mole or something. So she had to go to prison because she was uh, going to have a baby in 24 hours on the show 24. How'd they get into prison so quickly? And then they would shoot her on, on, they had to rewrite everything on CCTV as if she's in her cell and she was always in the corner like this so that you can't see that she's pregnant. But so, you know, I mean, it's 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 it does it does feel like you you being in something is a is a, a mark of quality. It does. Oh no, it's usually the kiss of death. Shows usually <laughs> get canceled. That was a, like the last season of Twenty Four. Okay. I was on the last season of West Wing. Oh yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, I feel like it's not good for the show <laughs> at all. Things tend to get canceled. Say, oh, and Billions. I was on Billions until uh, unfortunately there was an an issue with Damian Lewis, uh, and so that character had to be stopped. Um, and I loved being on Billions. And uh, so it seems like uh, having me in the cast is not helpful to the show. Now, having said that, I would love to work. I'm not going <laughs> to say that. Don't have me. But, the, it, but I, I, there are some jobs that are just so much fun, you really yeah. wish they could go on and on. I mean, you've done so much acting. But oh, it's... in the last season of Younger. I was on Younger, a show called Younger, and it got canceled. Yeah, well, you know, hopefully we'll do more of these after this. We'll see. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what happens. Uh, but it, it, you know, it uh, was uh, just it. Um, oh, I'll talk about this. I was thinking I was going to say something else, but uh, you, you, I heard you in another podcast saying that you don't hustle. That you feel like you don't. I'm, I'm not. A, I'm not. I'm not. Like I said, in life, and again, I'm not proud of this. I'm not a. a, a I don't get a lot done in it. I'm not a real go getter. I got super lucky in the '90s with acting. Super lucky. I was standing in the right place at the right time, and I knew two people that were quite helpful. And then I was lucky from there for a good run of the 90s. Then, boom, over. Yeah. And uh, it's almost like I'm paying dues. And, and then I, uh, it's, it's not like that now. So now you got to do stuff and hustle. And that's why you may have thought I was dead. Um, <laughs> because for the last 22 years, and so many people that I know really well in the States will say, why did you quit acting and quit doing stand-up? I didn't. <laughs> I didn't, and I, oh, I, and sometimes I feel so stupid about that. I'll say, oh, I've been volunteering at an animal shelter. <laughs> like, I'll pretend that I've been doing something very good. I haven't quit. I know why it seems like I have. But uh, I just, I'm just, uh, it's, it's hard work to stay, uh, to be protected by the umbrella of continued career success. Of course. You have to be a, a super hard worker, make all the right choices, and, and also be talented. But there's some people who stay, that's 0.5% of SAG-AFTRA. 0.5% of SAG-AFTRA, like, let, let's say, for example, Brad Pitt or something, 
You've known them your whole life. You know what I mean? Jennifer Aniston your whole life. That takes a huge amount of not minding being in the public eye all the time, doing press, doing photo, like, and I, all I think about it's like, you've got kids and stuff. Do you not want to see them? <laughs> I feel like, because if, if these people are not working on something, they're preparing for something, or they're in the gym, or they're being seen socially. Yeah. So it's, but I think the dream is to get to a point where you don't have to do any of the quotidian things in life except your work yeah. or go to the gym. Because <laughs> that seems to be necessary, too, and I'm not doing that. <laughs> and uh, the, the, do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you, you, uh, have, you achieve a level of success whether your assistants have assistants. <laughs> now, I certainly don't need an assistant, but I'm saying, like, the, what a dream. They will do all the things in life that you do, like cleaning your bathroom, all, all that stuff. You don't have to do anything but your work. Like, that, to me, is necessary uh, or... But but that 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 takes ye- that takes so much. Uh, do, do you not understand yeah, yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. And it and that's just not in me. Yeah. Uh, to to do that, I've never been a person that's like seize the day. No. I live every day like it's my first. <laughs> is what I'm saying. <laughs> and do you see? You know, you have done so much acting, and you but it feels to me that at heart you're a, a stand-up comedian. Oh, I'm definitely. Uh, that is my passion. Yeah. And luckily. Uh, I control that. So I, I'm, I, I don't know how actors uh, who, who don't have the sustained... It's very difficult. You don't control that. You can't force people to, you know... To, but so what do you... It's got to be very difficult. Whereas when you... If you also have another outlet and stand-up being something I enjoy a great deal, I've never lost interest in it. It's the only thing in my whole life I've not lost interest in. I've been just as interested in doing it yeah. from when I started to now. And that's very unusual for me. Sure. And I'm so glad because you can always do it. doesn't mean lots of people are going to see you, but you can always do stand-up somehow. Yeah. You can't always act in a way to live, uh, comp- you know, to make enough money to live comfortably, especially if you have children and stuff, which I don't. Now, that also gives me a freedom. Now, if I had children, I would have to hustle. You know what I mean? Because it's in service of the quality of their lives. And luckily, I don't have any that I <laughs> am aware of. That I, you know what I mean? But I, it allows you a freedom to... Sure. And also, I don't buy a lot of things. Yeah. I live well within my means. And that's another problem people get into, right? They, they keep having to work or take jobs. And this isn't any area of your life. To cover a mortgage, to cover your nut, to, to cover all the bills. And now, like, the recession that's going on... Mm-hmm. It is it, just to put gas in your car. All of these things uh, cause people's lives. Uh, where a great many of uh, people do things they may not truly enjoy doing. Of course. And so when people say phrases like, if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. Well, guess what? 90% of people don't get to do that. Yeah. It's actually a, th- a thing to say. It's verbal dust to me. Because so many people, you have to live. You have to take care of your family. You have to keep a roof over your head. And very many people don't get to do what they love. That's just not the way life works out mm. a lot of times. And it seems to me within the stand-up, what I, what I enjoy about it, and maybe this is a way you, uh, you keep getting the audience you get, but it's, you, you don't shy away from uh, like, intellectual subjects and intelligent stuff. You're not, you don't sort of pander to your audience. There's, there's a lot of stuff about yourself, but you're, you know, I saw you doing... Uh, a routine about whether, or just discussing whether Julius Caesar was a reformer or a oh, dictator. I, 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 that's true. That you is know, something... Just something that listen, not many stand-ups get it, into that. Well, the, 
there's a re- it, it, it fits into because I was forced uh, and I, I was forced to get a physical on the Ides of March, which allowed me to bring up Julius Caesar because which I have for years felt in all sincerity. It's not a, a routine per se, but I guess it is if I'm yeah. doing it. I think he was a reformer, not a dictator. So I think it was treason, not tyrannicide, and I love being able to say that. The word tyrannicide, so many people are like, ooh, good word. And, uh, because it is my belief you don't get assassinated for being authoritarian or keeping up the status quo. You get assassinated when you're trying to change things. And I, so I, I, I don't have evidence to support this, but I believe, <laughs> I believe that he, I mean, I have read, I, I mean, you, we've all, uh, most of us get our information about Julius Caesar from Shakespeare, like, like many, many things. But if you read about Rome and you read about ancient Rome and you read about the various leaders of Rome, he uh, historically did try and lower taxes, give land to people that were considered plebs or uh, try and get people in the Senate that were working class, things of that nature. That's why he was assassinated. Because when in history has somebody been assassinated for being an asshole? Pardon me, I don't like that kind of talk. But uh, <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't mean, tend gave, to be they, that they way. They tried to get Hitler a few times. I think that was mainly for him being an asshole. But they didn't get him, did they? He killed himself. <laughs> That's, That's what I'm saying. Uh, he killed him. He kill, and he had a good run there. Like, and I don't mean to boo, cancel. I didn't mean that good run. I canceled myself. I just canceled myself, so don't. Um, he had a run. He did have a run. He achieved... <laughs> I, I don't want to say he achieved a lot. He, he, I'm not anti-Semitic. Listen to me. He was around a while. I don't know how, what else to say. Before. Yeah. Uh, and do you know what I mean? The, I do know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. But no, no, I think you're right. It's just, what I'm interested in is that you will put that stuff into your stand-up set and that you're not worried about that and you're not... I mean, you're not talking down to your audience or worrying about whether... Well, there's no reason to talk, to talk down to them. No. Uh, presumably, you know, I, I am... I am uh, you have not to talk a, down I, to these ones, that's what I'm going to say. I, but that's, I, you, to you can only speak to people... <clears throat> excuse me. Only speak to people the way you speak to people. And um, <clears throat> I don't... I, uh, there's... And, and I'm not a, a particularly intelligent person. I'm intellectually curious, I guess, which is a plus, but I'm not... I was a terrible student and I... Uh, there's a whole lot I don't know, and I can't do math. Can't follow simple directions. I'm a poor orienteer. <laughs> uh, I, uh, as I said, I don't have a lot to recommend me. But the, I can only speak the way I speak. And there's uh, no reason to why what you know what I mean. I, it, s- s- do you know what I mean? And I do worry that it's boring sometimes. But I, I certainly don't think I'm in any danger of being smarter than anyone else in the room at all. Well, I, think, I don't know. I, I have no idea where you're coming from. But I, I mean, I think, I, well, I, you're here, right? You're here to see him. I'm, and it's early. I'm presuming that you are of normal intelligence, if not above average. They're, they're, pretty, they're pretty smart. Um, but I think, I think most comedians are, you know, it doesn't, it's not necessarily about, about doing well at school. Most comedians, I think you've got to have a certain level of intelligence. Well, no, there's to be able academic the intelligence yeah. and there's, intel- there's emotional intelligence yeah. and there's intellectual maturity, all of that. But it's also about knowing, you know, you've got to know a lot of stuff as a comedian, I think, to really work because you've got to be able to, you know, if you, if you, if you're talking about something and something comes up, you've got to know enough to be able to carry on right. talking. Right. If, if that's your choice to yeah. talk about certain things, hopefully yeah. one would know what they're talking about, but again, that hasn't stopped others in any area of life. Because <laughs> uh, lots of people speak, uh, everybody has an opinion, but there's some comedians over the years I have noticed that will change their demeanor or the way they present themselves is very different on stage and off stage. If you speak to them backstage, yeah. 
It's quite, they seem to lower, not lower than, they become less articulate or, I can't explain it. It's, a, it's not a lot, but I've noticed that there yeah. are some that, or they uh, fake a real high energy thing. They're, they don't feel comfortable not attacking the stage, like, you know, high energy. And I feel like you can only start where you are. I do feel that the audience can sense inauthenticity. Yeah. And me as a viewer, I do like it when I feel somebody's being authentic, whether they are or not, I don't know. But if they, <laughs> if, if it seems like there's an authenticity, I like that. If it, if, if it's feel, I mean, I don't know how you feel about it, but if you sense a comedian's like, oh, I don't believe what they're saying. I don't think that's true. Like there's sometimes where, and when I was, used to be drunk all the time, this is where I would get in trouble. I'd be like, that didn't happen. <laughs> that didn't happen. No, it didn't. Which I'm not proud of, but there would be sometimes, not in the audience, but back, I would be backstage and there'd be a comic on stage and I'm like, that didn't happen. <laughs> no, it didn't. Or boy, you did a lot today. Because sometimes it'll be like, this happened today or this. Why are you manufacturing content? Life is so much, in the same way, science is so much more interesting than religion. It, it, it answers the big question. You know, it can. Yeah. And just because we can't explain something doesn't mean it's paranormal or supernatural. Um, and I know what can be emotionally comforting to, to go that way, but I, in the same way that I find that a, a scientific inquiry is more interesting than paranormal or, yeah. or supernatural, I think that a comedian being authentic is more interesting than faking a demeanor or manufacturing content. Yeah, and I think you know, a lot of comedians make that mistake and start off trying Early to especially, be... Early yeah, especially, for trying, sure. Trying to be and that's not. totally valid. You know, and it's harder to become the thing you really... That you, it took that you me really 10 are. years. Yeah. 10 years to, to say, oh, that's more... I'm being me. And it took me almost that long to stop doing shots before I went on because I was physically shaking and I didn't want people to see me shaking. Uh, now, I probably could have quit that sooner, but I, that, I became addicted to that pattern. I'm addicted to my habits. Same with my eyebrows. Oh, I think that's why it takes me five and a half hours to get out of the house. I'll tell you the truth. Q-tip, Q-tip, Q-tip. They're not level. But the, the, it, uh, I, was at, uh, I get addicted to patterns like a lot of people. And I was like, I have to do a shot. I have to. And then I didn't have time once, and I realized, oh, I don't have to. Yeah. I was about eight years in. Ten years in, I remember thinking, I'm being me. I'm finally being me. Regrettably, there are some. There is some footage now. Luckily, when I started doing stand-up, there it wasn't a surveillance society. <laughs> luckily, because uh, but the few things that exist earlier on, I'm so ashamed of because I was trying to be too cool for school because I was insecure and I would just stand there and even lower the register of my voice. It was already pretty deep, like barely talking. And I'm like, I hate that. I hate that I did that. It embarrasses me so much. But luckily, you have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> and you haven't seen it, but there is some footage that exists. I, I like saw that. a little bit of earlier oh, stuff. But it's I hate that because it's not me. It's not me. No, it, well, it's, it's interesting. I think like when I came to see you, this, you know, this festival, I was thinking, you know what? I was ready to be intimidated and scared of you because of the... Because, and when I think, you know, I'm going to interview you, I was thinking I'm ready to be, you know, for Paula to turn up or whatever, or that, or that slightly sarky... But why? I don't know, because that's why you even... I, even... I, but the thing is, is, what's so strange about it, A, that happened in 1992. Sure. <laughs> but B, B... The, and, and others have said that to me. I'm not mad at you. No, no. I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm others, saying you're not, you're not like that. that but, but do they... In other areas, do people say... Uh, Oh, so-and-so who played an assassin. I was expecting to be assassin. <laughs> you know, I, mean, I, don't, I don't understand that. Uh, you're asked to play a, a character in a certain way. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and uh, 
I'm, I'm just, I'm not like that. But the, there have been people of the years that say, uh, I was ready for you to be mean to me. Why? <laughs> and also, I'm 58. That doesn't wear well. That's, I mean, <laughs> I realize I'm dressed inappropriately for my age. But the thing is, is I, it would be so uh, unappealing at my age to be snarky uh, yeah. or to, to try and provoke for the sake of it. That's, that's my opinion. I, th- I think it doesn't wear well sure. as one gets older. Now, when I was younger, unfortunately, and a lot of it had to do with alcohol, I was not as well-mannered as I should have been, and I, I might have deliberately, if there was a person who, who perhaps their stand-up was not to my taste, I might have been deliberately provocative, which I'm ashamed of. But when people say that to me, especially now, after all this time, that you would say you were ready to be... Um, why would Paula come, to, come pretty, to be interviewed? I mean, it's partly due to... You know, but it's partly due to the... You know, having seen you for so long and, and being, you know... I, I worry when I... You know, I don't often have people I respect on here, to be honest. So it's when you meet someone that you have respect for and when you've... You know, I know how much you've done, however how modest you are and how much you say it's, it's luck and whatever. I just... It's, it's not true. It is um, true. It, And, you know, so it's intimidating. There's an intimidation there and I was ready to... You know, you don't, you don't know how someone's going to turn out. And I think especially when, when someone's been as ingrained in, like... Hollywood and movies and stuff like that. That changes. But again, not for changes. the last 22 no. years. That, we're, we're going I mean, way back. Yeah. Uh, I have been unfamous for far longer than I was ever famous. Now, in the States, that's, that's true. I, in the States, like I said, I got super lucky in the decade, the decade of the 90s. Yeah. And in the States anyway, uh, that I was known. Yeah. It, and I worked a lot. And a, a lot of it probably didn't transfer over here. Why, why would it? I wouldn't expect you to to know that, and I have been unknown in a way, or, or not working like that, for about 20, 22 years now. So that was like this aberration, yeah. this, lu- this lucky thing, that like, wow, that happened. Uh, <laughs> and then as fast as it started, it ended as quickly. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm grateful that it happened. It would be fun for it to happen again, uh, but I feel like, you know, it, it's not going to. And it took me about 12 years to make my peace with that one. Uh, like, I'll get lucky again. <laughs> You're not going to. And, and, and it's not, you know, it just, it is what it is. And the, the thing is, is that, that's why I get embarrassed. Like when people say, what credits do you want me to say? Don't, because it just highlights what I'm not doing. <laughs> Don't say stuff from, from way, from way back. Because yeah. A, depending on the age of the audience, A, they don't know that. What it, they wouldn't probably have a, reference point but b it's like oh boy she's done nothing for like uh the last uh, 20 but years it's not, but you do you know you're i think you've always been you know autonomous and wanting to be you even when you're saying you're not being authentically you it took you a while to become that you were always doing what you wanted to do and i think you would you would just it was impossible to bottle you and that's why i think like now the, the kind of films that come out now anyway i can't imagine you being in, you know, you well, you were lucky to be at a point where there were some well, no, there's always good. There's films. plenty of good. There's always good and bad entertainment. Yeah. That's the nature of, of of entertainment, no matter what M- music movie. In fact, I would say now more than ever, TV wise, there's more great TV That's than true. ever, and more great outlets. Um, and they're like ninety percent of SAG-AFTRA. I do work. In a lot of films, but these are like so low. They're truly, I'm not talking independent spirit award alleged where you see the same, the same actors you'll see at the Oscars. They're just wearing black jeans. 
during the day. But you'll see the same people in a gown and a tuxedo that night at the Oscars. So the Independent Spirit Awards uh, is a misnomer at this point. But there is a whole world of independent work going on. Yeah. And also now more than ever with the device, you could shoot a movie on your phone, things like that. Sure. And lots and lots of people are doing that work now. Unfortunately, you don't have the money to make it. You certainly don't have the money to distribute it. And that it will drop late night on some streaming service or whatever. But l- there is work happening. Yeah. And like I said, 90% of the actors union is doing that kind of work. It isn't hugely known or whatever, but it's there. And, and there's no, it, it, it's, it's unfortunate though, that sometimes a lot of that stuff really suffers from the lack of, of uh, money that has time to make it. Sometimes you have to shoot the film in 13, 14 days, which you cannot, it just can't be done. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's really hard. And all, it's been like, can you bring some jeans from home for your wardrobe? <laughs> stuff like that. So it's almost like you're doing a play. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's interesting, but I feel sorry for these people that have bankrupted their parents' credit cards or their own <laughs> for, the, for this project that they've done. I, I do feel like not everybody should be directing. Uh, I know it sounds great to say it. I'm a director. But just because you want to say it doesn't mean you should do it. Because there's a lot of people out there putting themselves in great debt. Because it seems like, because I'm just judging from watching them on the set, they seem to have no natural ability to, <laughs> to direct or a vision. But they're uh, going into terrible debt yeah. probably for the rest of their lives to, to, to do this thing. Yeah. But it provides jobs, sure. uh, which is good for the crew. And, you know, it's always, crews are the best part of any production. Yeah. It, the crew, people that you work with, that's the most enjoyable part because they're so, always so fun to hang around with and stuff. Sure. And are you, are you still enjoying? I mean, it's you know, it's a, you've been doing stand up for a long time, as have I. <laughs> and are you are you still enjoying the doing the shows? Oh yes, absolutely. In fact, I wish I didn't have a night off here. Right. Um, I have I have a night off, and it's like no, no. I want I like as I was saying earlier, uh, I enjoy it, even when it's not going. I enjoy doing it, and I I I've always enjoyed it, even. Well, sometimes when it's so bad, it's painful, and it confirms my worst fears about myself. That's a different issue. But it, does, it doesn't stop me from doing it. And when I can't do it sometimes, I miss it terribly. Yeah. I, I just love to do it. So, yeah, I've, I, I, still, I look forward every night to doing it. Good. And, and, and one of the best things about Edinburgh, if you stay the whole month, you can do it almost every night. It's a, it's a joy to do yeah. it. Yeah. And it, it is good to have that, that uh, freedom. And... Uh... And where, and what will happen next? What would you, 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 you take um, this Well, I show? go back to New York. I've got some stuff there, and then I've got road stuff in like Austin and Dallas and uh, you know Portland and stuff like that. Um, and I will continue to try and act if they'll have me. Yeah. Um, I can't, but like I said, I can't do anything about that. And I, and I'm not. And sometimes, we, and I have written scripts for other people, stuff like that. I do enjoy that as an intellectual exercise. Like I. I do enjoy doing some ghostwriting or uh, uh, taking passes at other people's scripts. I enjoy that a great deal. I don't enjoy the development process, stuff yeah. like that uh, <laughs> at all. But that I hope to do more of that, too. 
But um, it, I would just, you know, I'd like to just be number 14 on the call sheet of an existing show that runs like a well-oiled machine that is in walking distance to my apartment. That's the dream. That's the dream. And also my character wears scrubs, hospital scrubs. All the time, honestly, like if I had been, I auditioned three times for Orange is the New Black. And I haven't been able to watch it because it hurts me. Yeah. I didn't get on. But to wear scrubs, they wear scrubs. They wear jail. Now, I... I see that they wear makeup now because it's successful if it's still on. They went from being like looking like they were really in jail to now looking like they've gone to Sephora or Boots or Superdrug. But to wear scrubs and also make it look like you're not wearing makeup. Oh, the dream. And also that my I don't have to start work for whatever reason until afternoon like that. And then I'm always wrapped by like 8 p.m. Okay. That, that's a, the apart, job. Apart from that's all those the job things. I'm looking for. <laughs> okay, we'll put a call out for and that And my job. character's always sitting, always sitting, <laughs> always sitting, either in a nice chair or behind yeah. a desk. Okay. That, all oh, that is the, truly the dream. Okay. We can sort that out for you. I'll, I'll, I'll write you something you that, 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 that'll, that, that'll work for you. But I think like me, you know, like, I've heard you talk about the, the process of creating something. And, you, you know, the, exa- the executive involvement in things seems to be the thing that... It, that, it, it, uh, it that defeats me. Yeah. That now there's, like, a lot of people over the years who are trying to act and stuff, you get encouraged to try and develop projects. Now, I don't need to have a project for me. It doesn't need to, I would like an ensemble thing, you know, and over the years I have written with partners or written by myself. And then as soon as the meeting process starts, again, uncle, I say, I give. (laughs) Uh, And I'm like, well, you can make this, but I'm not going to be a part of it. Because so the executives have to justify their job. So they will give you notes, whether they really care about it or not. They have to say something. And then sometimes I'll do a, a test where I'll say, what did you think about the character who keeps, uh, I'm, I'm spitballing, who keeps having these horrible dreams, I'm making something up, and they'll comment on it. It's not in there. It's not in the script. And that's how I really know. Yeah. Um, it is not in there. And they will comment on it. They'll say, well, I didn't think, is it necessary? I didn't think it was that. And then it's like, I know I'm going down the wrong road here. Yeah. But your manager or your agent will encourage you because they're in a different aspect of the business, quite understandably, is to make money. They're, they get a commission, 10 to 15%, and they, they are not as invested as you are in, I would like it to be this certain way yeah. that it was written and that you seem to be interested in. And they always will say, just give in, just give in. Once you do it, it's a, uh, you will always, the only power that you have is the power of no. And uh, meaning it when you say, well, we don't have to do this, because sometimes... It's human nature to say, no, I want to. Like, as soon as you say you don't want to, people sort of want to, if you're you're lucky. Or you have to, somebody has to be a bit of a Napoleon. Uh, A nice one, if there is such a thing. But (laughs) the reason shows that do work work is because there is a vision, a singular vision that that person sticks to and does not. Now, they'll take a note if it's good, if it means something and it's truly helpful, but they won't. Like, like the Lake Garrett Shanley. No notes. You can give them to him, but it's, he's, you know what I mean? Like, this, this is the way it is. But yeah. executives, you know, because if they don't give notes, if they don't try and put their hands on it, then why are they there? Yeah. Then you, you lose your parking space and your job, you know? <laughs> and that's why mainstream TV is as bad as it is. Like, in the States, ABC, NBC, CBS. They are still 
top-heavy dinosaurs because those people are not letting go of those jobs because of their mortgages and their kids are in private school, what have you. But that's why you keep getting medical shows and legal dramas about, because people love the idea of doctors and cops who care. Uh, so you keep having these sort of Grey's Anatomy or Law and Order type uh, franchises yeah. on mainstream television. Um, because nobody wants to take a chance or they remake something from another country or remake something that was on before. And because they don't want to, there's nothing more cowardly than a network executive. They (laughs) do not want to get, they don't want to lose that job. It's a great job, I guess. But, you know, you would think they realize that all the successful shows, you know, if you look at it, if you step back and look at it, it's obvious that all the successful shows are, are run by somebody who has, has a vision and makes the success. And is allowed stuff. to do it, has yeah. the power to do right. so. It's sort of crazy. That um, but a lot of shows now are not given a chance to, to succeed or fail. Now, in the old days, you could be on for a while before you were canceled. And the show would like Seinfeld, for example, yeah. if it finds its audience, mm-hmm. the network supports it. That's not the case now because some, they don't even want to take the time on mainstream television. It's a whole different story outside of the big three or four networks. Yeah. There's so much more going on. And it's proven time and time again there is an audience for great shows mad men but you know just one example on amc mad men one of the best shows i've i've ever seen the attention to detail the specificity they don't spoon feed you anything and that's what i love about a show when they give you the benefit of the doubt like the west world on hbo which now i feel they're making up as they go along but that's a different issue (laughs) but uh in the beginning it's like so they think i'm smart enough to follow or a show called damages that there's many sh- Sopranos. They don't need to give you backstory. They don't need to lay expositional pipe. And now The Many Saints of Newark, if you haven't seen that, the prequel to The Sopranos, so good. Um, it's anything where somebody is not, they're giving you the benefit of the doubt that you're as smart as they are. You know what I mean? And it's really insulting when network people say they won't get it here. Why? Why do you say? So you have no respect for your view. You're saying that your, your viewers are... St- yeah. Stupid. Then we're starting from the worst origin point we could start from. So in the long-winded answer to your question, I will duck out. Now, yeah. they are welcome to continue with that script and make all the money they want from it if they choose to do so. I'm not going to be part of it. But it'll just take one or two meetings like that, and, I, and I'm, and I'm uh, absolutely done. Because there's no point in rolling a rock up a hill. We don't need more TV. We really don't. Uh, unless it's going to be good, I feel like. Sure. I agree. Um, well, look, we're going to have to stop, unfortunately. And oh, she, yeah. Mentioning Seinfeld made me realize I haven't even talked to you about Seinfeld, but we can't talk about it. You'll have to come back on another time. We're going to stay here. You guys can go, <laughs> but we're going to stay and keep talking. We'll take, yeah, you can, we, we, we might have With to the go. mics. Yeah. With the mics. <laughs> it's the only way I'll talk to people through a microphone. Um, ladies and gentlemen, please give it up for the absolute legend. Janine Garofalo, ladies and gentlemen. Thank That's you. Thanks. We're back tomorrow with Ed Gamble. He's all right. Come on. Thank you. Yeah. You have been listening to Rahulastapa from the Edinburgh Fringe with me, Richard Herring, and my fantastic guest, who I know you know who it was. I'm not going to tell you again. You're not stupid. Thank you to Scamp Regard for playing this music. I'm indebted to my technician and friend, Reese Thomas. I'm also indebted to Chris Evans, not that one, and to all the fantastic crew at the ballroom, at the assembly rooms, and everyone at the assembly rooms in Edinburgh. What a fantastic lot of people you are. Thanks for all your help. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This is a Sky Potato Fuzz and GoFastTheStripe.com production. Thanks for listening. RichardHerring.com slash gigs. GoFastTheStripe.com for all my books, downloads, all that sort of shizzle. Oh, yeah, I know all the cool words. And um, would love to see you on the, on the Can I Have My Ball Back tour if you can make it. Bye.